Let's begin. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Vessalatu vesselamu ala Resulillah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve man vela. Allahumma salli salaten kamila. Ve sellim salaman tamman ala seyyidina Muhammed. Allazi tanhallu bihil uqad ve tanfericu bihil kurab ve tuqda bihil hawaij ve tunalu bihil ragaib ve husnul khawatim ve yustasqal ghamamu biwajhil kerim. وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد نورك الساري ومددك الجاري واجمعني به في كل أطواري وعلى آله وصحبه يا نور أما بعد we begin by mentioning our sponsors meccabooks.com if you want to go to get books on the awliya which we're going to talk about today, you can find them all at meccabooks.com. And then uh, they are also Ihyat Tours, with whom I'm going to Hajj this year, ta'ala, if Allah gives us the tawfiq. And it's a very tough situation with Hajj. Many, many people are priced out of it completely because of the restrictions. But we'll see what happens with that. But some people say there's evidence now that they're going to be doing away with the groups and that you can soon, maybe next year, go as an individual, and Allah knows best if that's the case. But we'll see. Our next proud sponsor is professors121.com. I've seen people go from like C's and F's to straight hundreds on by taking tutors from professors121.com. Okay? Uh, they're really good. They have online sisters, brothers, and they have on-site and in-person. And it's a great company that uh, is helping a lot of kids um, get better grades when they've been struggling. Struggling in school, struggling in math. Y equals MX plus B. Right? What is Y? What is B? It's the starting point on the of, of the dot that you got. Right? It's the, y, the starting point of the Y-axis, isn't it? Y equals MX plus B. I, st- I still don't understand Y equals MX plus B. I spent so many years and semesters trying to figure this out. So I used to be very good at math, but I just, I just did it. But was bothered by the amount of detail that I get the concept and then I get the answer wrong because, like, one of the math, like the arithmetic was wrong. Like, I'm not into these details. The spirit, I understand the spirit of the thing, right? And I intended to get the right answer, but yet you're still going to take points off because you're like a stickler. All right, so forget that I'm not doing Y equals MX plus B anymore, and I'm going into the humanities. I probably would not let my, my son go into the humanities, right? Read books on the side, listen to podcasts, right? You need something that where there's a right answer and a wrong answer so that you can go out and, and I think like some, some cases like myself was an anomaly, right? Because they're able to do something with my uh, liberal arts humanities degree. Okay, so next sponsor is patreon.com backslash Safina society it's very important for us to get support on this inshallah ta'ala so we can keep improving soon we're going to have a set up we're going to have our guests by the way going to have a camera right here and my guest sitting across from me and you're going to see a beautiful scene behind him okay and that's inshallah we're, we'll be able to have guests side by side talking to each other it's going to be really good okay it's gonna be really good now today's topic, Sifatu Safwa is one of the great books by Ibn al-Jawzi on the awliya. Al-awliya was salihun. What are they? We kept saying awliya, awliya, awliya. 
our goal as individuals is to be one of these odia. And I not necessarily even see anymore a future, the future da'wah is not let's build an Islamic state because it's, it's far off. To build an Islamic state, you need Islamic people, right? You need an Islamic populace. Yes, it's the most important in theory is top down is the fastest route to do anything. But top down, you physically cannot do it if you don't have the people, if the people don't want it. So yes, the pe- we don't need the people to want it in order to establish the Sharia. For fair, that's in theory. But in practice, in, to, to actually get something done at a large scale, you need individuals to want it. And that's what the Prophet cultivated. He cultivated the foundation of the Ummah was human beings. Around 70 human beings, 100 human beings that were the muhajireen of the men and the women from Mecca. These were the foundations. Upon them was built a second foundation, which was one city, just one city of very good people. The city of Yathrib, which became in Medina al-Munawwara. And only the hypocrites called it Yathrib thereafter. So one city rested upon these muhajireen. Then rested upon that was the entire peninsula of the Arabs. But look how long it took. It took 23 years for the Messenger wasallam for this to be achieved. Okay? And that's 23 years with nomads and Bedouins. One of the reasons why Islam came to the Arabs is because they were such simple people. They were easy to change. You can't change complicated people in 23 years. You can change simple people in a quick time. So that's one of the wisdoms why it came to the Arabs. Okay? So then once you had that one peninsula, then the entire, no, the, 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 what was, that was considered the West back then, the Byzantines and the Persians and the Yemenis, they all, that three, three essential, and the Egyptians, these big blocks rested upon that peninsula. Okay? And then slowly, slowly other lands were added to it, such as the Iberian Peninsula, all the way West Africa. Much later on, East Africa. Bulks, chunks of East Africa, still not all of East Africa, like 50% Christian. Um, large swaths of West Africa and, and, and other nations. But you got to build on individuals first. So I find that our da'wah in this day and age, practically speaking, is to individuals, families, and small groups of friends. If that's the case, what's our goal? Our goal is each one of us to make ourselves a foundation so that if and when the time comes that we could have a big swath, a big project, such as a land or a country, we have the people to do it, that it can rest upon. So that is why we're focusing on Al-Awliya wal-Salihun. Ibn al-Jawzi said, Humul maqsud min al-kawn. What does that mean? It means they're the purpose of existence. They're the purpose of Allah's creation. All of Allah's creation, I've not created the humans and the jinn except for to worship. Don't imagine that the whole point of humanity, of existence now, is for a body made of matter to stand and bow and prostrate. That's just the forms, which we don't underestimate because that's the means by which we attain. But you have to realize that uh, the, the reality of awliya is an unveiling of Allah's creation and mysteries to the soul of this wali in such a way that it produces more inspiration and it transforms people. 
Okay. Because when people see the power of Allah Ta'ala and when they see his, the greatness of his creation and the greatness of his ata, his giving, and his own attributes are unveiled. It's not the, the, just the mysteries of the creation that's unveiled to the heart of the wali. It's Allah's own attributes. Because when Allah shows you something in the creation, that's a reflection of his creative power and of his attribute. So when Allah, and he's going to mention here, mentions the angry lion, okay, that it's a reflection of punishment. The degree of punishment, for example. Anytime that Allah likens himself or there's an, like an analogy or a metaphor or anything anthropomorphic, showing that like giving like a bodily figure, we divide it in two. We look at the, 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 the anthropomorphic thing itself and we look at the result. So when, it's, when Allah says, in, there's Sayyidah Aisha is going to narrate a hadith, that Allah's anger for those who look down on an awliya, who dismiss, who humiliate a wali, is is his is greater than the anger of a lion at war. Okay? Then we take the lion at war and we take the result. What is the result of a lion at war? The result of a lion at war is a fear that will probably make you pass out. I cannot imagine how anyone would survive. Let's say we're in this studio right here. Maybe it's 40 feet this way and like 20, 30 feet this way. If there was a a hungry, starving, angry lion in this room, and he's growling and showing his teeth, I think that me and Ryan would pass out. I think we would just pass out. You, you would have like a nervous breakdown out of the fear of that lion. I can't imagine how anyone survives that. Right? I don't know how you, you would just freeze to death, and then you just get eaten. So we look at the analogy, and we look at the result. We affirm the result for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, a great fear and a punishment. And we negate the likeness. Okay, That's how we do ifbat. We confirm the attribute while making tanzih of Allah himself. Uh, tanzih uh, 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 of his attributes. Okay, So that's the idea here, and we're going to see this, that wilaya is not just that you're standing and bowing. That's not the purpose. Munafiqeen do that. Hypocrites do that. Jews worship Allah more than us. Christians, so the worship is the form, it's the means. What is the real end? Is the unveiling of Allah's attributes to the heart of His awliya through His creation. Okay, by revealing, by answering your prayers, He shows your, His love for you. Okay, by smiting your, your enemies, He shows His love for you. He shows His generosity. By curing you of sicknesses, He shows His, his mercy to you. So on and so forth. So Allah's attributes are unveiled to the heart of a wali, through incidents that take place in the world. You want to see the beauty of Allah? Look at nature. If that's his creation, right? If that's his creation, then how much more beautiful is the creator himself in terms of his, the meanings, the attributes, right? If you are so in awe by certain scenes of nature, like Banff National Park in Canada, it's just amazing. Africa is filled with things. You can just sit there all day watching it if that's the creation, imagine then the creator. If that's the dunya, imagine then the akhirah. And that's stuff that any of us can see. The awliya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah shows them what the naked eye cannot go and see. I can go, we can all go and get camera footage and watch Africa and look at stars and look at things. Anyone can do that, right? But when Allah says, I am become his hearing by which he sees, his seeing by which he hears, 
uh, what am I saying? His eyes with which he sees, his ears with which he ears. All of that, what it means is that there is so much more beyond what the naked eye can go see by itself that is like a karama for these awliya that they will see that nobody else can see. You see? And that's why they have such a well of iman. It's it's not a well anymore. It's like endless. And they become a fountain to which the people come and their iman increases. So that's what it's mean what mean what is the meaning here of the idea of humun maqsud min al They're the purpose the unveiling of Allah's attributes to the creation. And the angels they could receive a certain amount, but they can't receive they have a limit. Why do they have a limit? Because they don't have to overcome anything. The angels don't have to overcome anything. So let me give you an example. A guy went from rags He's a homeless bum on the street. He gets a job, he gets another job, he gets another job, he becomes a millionaire. Another guy is born as a millionaire. His dad's a millionaire. That, or that guy, take that guy himself. He produces a son. That son is born in the palace, in the mansion. Are they the same? Right? Are they the same? Could they possibly be the same? One guy from, went from rags and he fought his way all the way up to be a millionaire. Then he produces a son who's born a millionaire. Are they the same? No way. That son, yes, he's in heaven. He is a millionaire, for example, just as an analogy. But does he have any of the knowledge of his father? Does he have any of the experience of his father? Does he, does he taste, does a million dollar salary a month taste the same to both of them? No, of course not. No way. So the human being, his, the, yes, the, we're more imperfect but the, the ma'rifah of a human being, the knowledge of Allah of a human being, the experience of Allah of a human being is far greater than the knowledge and experience of an angel. So let's say that son of a millionaire is born and he's got people combing his hair and his, his, uh, a trophy wife is taking care of him and all that, his mom and all that. And he's born and he has a single, and his perfect speech, perfect manners, right? Polished like an angel. And the dad... Hey, that dad had to fight criminals and, and, and beasts to become a millionaire. Is a lot rougher around the edges, right? A lot less polished, but the taste of the money for him is far greater. He knows the value of it. He knows how to get it. He knows where it comes from. He knows the pitfalls. He knows the battles. He's been to war. So that's the difference between a human and an angel. The human being can receive more unveilings of Allah's attributes to them than angels. How do you do this? How, how do we attain this? Study and act upon it. That's how simple it is. It's not that hard. It's, in theory, it's not that hard. In practice, it is something else. It's a war that to me is harder than being a surgeon, than being anything else. Right? You think being a brain surgeon may be one of the hardest jobs in the world? Most sensitive. You make one little mistake. You got a 10-hour surgery. One little mistake and you might paralyze a person. Right? So... I know a guy whose job, you know that they keep you awake in brain surgery. They keep you awake. His job is to constantly make sure the function parts of the brain in brain surgeries are not affected. So he'll be talking, the, the guy's brain is sawed half open. It's the weirdest thing. His brain is sawed half open. They put a curtain here, they tape it down. The, the brain is, the head is shaved, 
The skin is cut, peeled back. They saw the brain, okay? They pull that part of the skull out, and then they do the brain surgery. This guy's job is he's got the guy hooked up to a monitor, and he's looking at the guy's face. The surgeon's behind the curtain, and he's talking to him. He said, by the way, move your right hand. Move your left hand. Move your, wiggle your toe, right? And he's talking to him to make sure the brain function. Tell me a past memory. Tell me a recent memory. Huh? Yeah, so because they want to keep his motor functions, right? Ryan says he saw that one guy in the middle of the surgery, they want him to like do something like play a guitar because they want to make sure that the brain surgeon is not touching anything wrong. It's insane, right? You'd think that being a brain surgeon must be one of the most sensitive and most difficult. I'm telling you, attaining Wudai is probably more difficult because there's nothing harder to defeat than your own self. Okay? And this world will not help you. And on top of that, being a brain surgeon, at least you come out of it, you say, hey guys, I'm a brain surgeon. Nobody comes out of the struggle against their soul and say, hey guys, I achieve wilaya, right? And give me a $100,000 an hour salary. doesn't work like that, right? You get nothing. And nobody recognizes you. After all that, right? So nothing is harder than the spiritual path. But at the same time, you could become a millionaire surgeon, you could become a millionaire Wall Street guy and still be miserable. There's no such thing as someone who is on the path of Allah and wilaya and is miserable. It doesn't exist. Abu Huraira narrates the famous hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, known as hadith al-wilaya, also known as hadith al-tawadu'a. In Bukhari called it al-tawadu'a, but it's popularly also known as hadith al-wilaya because it is all about wilaya. Man aada li waliyan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whoever wages war against my wali, I announce war against him. Why is that? The wali is somebody, he only acts upon sacred law. His state is only sincere to Allah ta'ala. His manners is only according with the sunnah. So anyone who wages war on him is in fact in animosity, in a state of animosity towards the sacred law, the sunnah, and the pure intention. You see, that's exactly why Whoever wages, announces, has animosity to my wali. The wali is a reflection of God's will. Of the sharia, of the sunnah, of prophethood. In other words, the example of prophethood. Of course, not prophethood itself, because a wali is not a prophet, but he's acting upon the way of prophets. So that's why hatred of that person, and we're we're not talking about difference. We're not talking about a conflict, right? Conflict is fine. Sahaba had conflicts with one another, right? Difference of opinion. We're talking about personal animosity. The greatest of things to draw near to Allah is the obligations. Then he continues to draw near to me with extra good works until I love him. If I love him, then I become his hearing with which he hears, his seeing with which he sees, his hand with which he strikes, his foot with which he walks. This means what is normally not seen by people becomes seen by him. In other words, he sees the wisdom in the creation. He sees whatever Allah will show him. Allah shows him in one incident something that the regular naked eye cannot see. And that's why we said the, the, the signs of Allah Ta'ala, there are, there are those that are zahir and batin. The zahir is that at which anybody can look at it. Muslim, kafir, munafiq, you can all go 
and take wonderful pictures of the stars, wonderful pictures of the world, and look at it. That's avahir, the, the signs of Allah that are manifest. There are signs of Allah Ta'ala that are hidden, only to be seen by the pure heart of a mu'min who's, who's worshipped him much. Okay? So they will see a lot more into the creation. Their actions, their single action, because they understand how Allah Ta'ala creates, they have a different knowledge now of cause and effect. They can do so much more in less time. That's the meaning of, I am his hand by which he strikes. Meaning that, this person understands at a far deeper level cause and effect. like Or we should not say cause and effect, but what are the keys of things? So very quickly, they can unlock the heart of a person and get a potential out of that person. Way more than someone purely acting materially. Or the causes of rizq. The causes of rizq. There was a man one time, I was walking in Egypt, and there was a woman she looked so sad, so desperate, so upset. She's sitting on the road. She was not even begging, right? This man, he rushed. He rushed and he bought her a sandwich and he gave her money and he sat and chit-chatted with her and he talked to her until she was smiling, eating and had money in her pocket. Right? I'm like, mashallah, good deed. It's not a good deed. This is a treasure of rizq for us. That's what he said. This is a treasure. This is almost as if like in a video game when you catch like a, a button or something like that that makes your points double by zero effort, right? I haven't played video games in ages. But there was in Mario Brothers and things like that a couple techniques where you could like double your lifespan in one little short thing. And when he saw this person, because he knows the way in which Allah works, he sees the way in which Allah works. He didn't just spend, let's say, $15 right, on the woman. He felt and he believed that kindness to this vulnerable human being, Muslimah, is valued with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a value you cannot imagine. And you cannot count the, re- the rewards we're going to reap by being nice to this woman. This is Basib. This is knowing... This is ma'rifah, knowing how Allah operates in His creation. That's what ma'rifah means, right? In which book is it? It's Imam Ahmad, Sidi Ahmad Zarruq. We're going to get to reading his book one day. Sidi Ahmad Zarruq, he has a book called Qawaid At-Tasawwuf, where he, he talks about the different names, like what is wali? Wali refers to someone protected. What is arif billah? Arif billah is someone he knows how Allah interacts with His creation. And that this man, he's looking at this poor woman, he's seeing this is a way in which you will earn so much in this life and the next. So he rushed to it. He saw what, what nobody else saw, everyone walking right by. That's what is meant by, his, I'm his hand by which he strikes. So he physically put out effort for maybe 10 minutes, that's it. But he's going to reap a reward maybe until the day he dies, just from that one interaction. Because you understand better about the creation. And therefore, you know the shortcuts. You talk about uh, what the uh, astronomers, they have this hypothetical thing called, uh, what is it called again? Um, uh, like warp zones or something like that, where you bend the universe and put a hole through it and then end up in one second to be at the other end of the universe, right? It's just a thought game, I guess, right? 
wormholes, they call it. So it's as if, imagine the universe like this, the ability to bend it and then put a hole through it, something like that, where they know these things, not these, not in space, but in life. How do I get so much more out of somebody in a little, or, 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 or how much, get so much more for myself in a small amount of time? How do I have a greater impact on somebody in a smaller amount of time? So on and so forth. This is the meaning of I am his hand by which he, which he strikes. Their dua is answered. What does that mean? That means you, just because you are close to Allah doesn't mean you don't want stuff. You're still a human being. You're still a human being. You want things. No problem. Where are you going to get it from? Get it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To be close to Allah does not mean you don't have enemies and you don't have harms. You could have enemy. You could have harms. But if he seeks my protection, I protect him. And I have not, Allah says, have taraddud on a thing. The way that I have taraddud on the nafs of the believer. In other words, taking it. He hates death and I hate to harm him. Which means death is a scary thing. How do you take, imagine someone's coming in, take your soul out. If someone came in and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take something out of your mouth and I'm putting my hand in your mouth, you're going to be like so uncomfortable, right? Because you need that to live. You live right here, right? Breathing, choking, okay? Someone's going to put their hand in your mouth. You're going to be extremely scared. Imagine then putting their hand in your chest to take your soul out. You're going to be extremely scared, okay? On top of that, molars, get your molars out, you know, choking and vomiting. You may have done it in the past and got used to it, okay? But this is something you can never do twice. It's going to happen to you once and that's it. So you, you have no reference point to what this is like. Angel, I don't, no matter how nice and they prepare you and everything, someone put their hand in your soul, take your soul out, your chest to take your soul out, you've never experienced it before. It's going to be scary. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying he has taraddud. What is this taraddud? In common language, taraddud means hesitation. But there's another meaning to taraddud which is within hesitation, which is what is appropriate for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when someone hesitates, what does he do? He's what, What's the reason he hesitates and what does he end up doing? He's afraid. Okay? So what does he do, do when he's afraid? He goes and he stops. And he goes a little bit and he stops. If I tell you, pick up this, it looks like a hot coal, but it's not. Pick it up. You're going to be like hesitating. I'm, I don't want to do it. Or jump. Jump off the diving board. You jump a little bit, you come back. You go close to the, you come back. So because of fear, you go and come back, go and come back, go and come back. So why does Allah have taraddud? He he's not afraid, but he Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is having mercy on the of the fear of the person. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him a signal of death and pulls back. Signal that this is going to happen and then it doesn't happen. Signal that this is going to happen doesn't. But by doing that, the person gets acclimated to this new reality that's going to happen. Death. Now, when Allah says, "I have not hesitated anything more than my hesitation," Uh, taking the soul of believer, or I'm just going to use the word taraddut, okay, so that nobody thinks that Allah is having fear of doing this. No, which means that this taraddut can happen in many other things. Taraddut can happen in many things. Again, what is taraddut? 
out of mercy for the heart of this mu'min, that Allah Ta'ala will give him a signal about future changes to come. Major changes to come. And then, he'll forget about it. Then another signal, then it goes away. Then another signal, then it goes away. Until the person has become completely acclimated to that this new reality is going to happen and we're going to be all fine. Okay? Because when it does happen, it's a scary thing. It's a painful thing. But Allah has given you so many circumstances, given you so many uh, signs that this is going to happen. Okay? Taraddud. All right? And we see taraddud in everything. We see taraddud for the ummah. Right? Taraddud for the ummah. How is it that anybody can follow a Dajjal? Right? How can you follow Dajjal and say that a man is God? Right? Well, we've been given dry runs. We're witnessing human beings deny reality in front of our own eyes. In reality that's not even good for them. That doesn't even look pretty. Right? I've said this many times before and I hate to keep bringing this up, but the transgender movement is a preparation for this. You're telling me that a reality is the opposite and with a straight face, the entire society is telling it to you and they're expecting you to accept it, right? And on top of that, it's not even a pretty reality, right? Like the, a, a transgender, okay, trans women are women. Okay, but are they beautiful women, right? <laughs> SubhanAllah, like you're forcing this, it's contradictory to observe reality. It's not even like, where's even the desire for this? Like, I can understand sins that have a temptation. But it's harder to understand something that doesn't even, it's not even pretty. So when the Prophet tells us there's going to be a Dajjal, he's not even handsome, right? He's not handsome. He, he's blind in one eye. He's curly-haired, overweight, right? His skin is not bright and beautiful, like the skin of Sayyidina Isa. It's like, it's palish, right? So he's not even beautiful, and you're going to go to hell because of this person. And he's going to tell you he's a god, and you're going to believe him. How? Right? And the whole society is going to be for this? We have a dry run and a dress rehearsal right now with these dudes telling us they're women. The whole society's for it. And it's not a pretty thing. It's an ugly thing. And, and like, uh, like the you know, hip-hop rap stars, too. Yeah. They got, like, tattoos on their faces. Ugliness. Piercings in their foreheads. Yeah. And like, it's ugly. And it's, and it's ugliness. And this is what... So, I, not, I can understand, and I think all of us, a lot of people can understand, the fitna of the early uh, period of time, of the fitna of, let's say, like clubs and women and, 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 and that stuff, right? It's, you can understand it. As bad as it is, there is some temptations are naturally beautiful. But when the temptation does not make any rational sense, and it's ugly, and it's contradictory to your observed reality, that's exactly what's going to happen with the Dajjal. So, but what does this have to do with this? It's the concept of taraddud. We give you a dress rehearsal so you're not shocked, right? We give you a sign. Now, this could be for the death of an individual. It could be for something else of an individual, right? Where when it happens, it's not a shock. It's, we've, we've sort of got signals that this is going to happen, okay? And it's not far off. You can find many, many awliya. Many righteous people, they knew that they're going to die soon. Some of them knew with more precision than others. Like Sheikh Muhammad al-Yaqubi, he's a living man who's trustworthy, he doesn't make up lies, and he's not fooled, he's a scholar, right? Is anyone going to think that Sheikh Muhammad al-Yaqubi is going to tell a lie? No. 
Is he going to be deluded? No, he's a scholar. He tells us a story about his own father. I think he's the only son in his family, right? He tells us a story about his own father. His own father one day took him and said, in about two weeks, I'm going to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're going to bury me here, okay? And uh, here, this is the wasiyah, like the will. This is all the arrangements. This is what your sister needs. This is what your mother needs, blah, blah, blah. I don't mean to say blah, blah, blah about the words of a righteous man, but etc. I mean. SubhanAllah. There was a, uh, Andrew, Mahdi Lak. I did an interview with Mahdi Lak. He told me one of the reasons he wrote the book about the grave, life in the grave, is that his mother-in-law's death was a really moving death in his family. And his mother-in-law, the last few months of her life, was living as if it's all over. To the point that they said to her, let's go get a passport, let's renew our passports so we can travel. And she was like, "What's the? there's no point, right? We don't even know if we're going to be alive. And she was living like that. Like, like it's as if Allah has given her the sign, your time's up, you're going to leave now, right? Why? Because death is scary. Death is fearful. But Allah does not like, love. Allah loves to have mercy on his ibad, by giving them precursors okay, or foreshadows of the difficult things that are going to happen, then it makes it easy. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is, a Prophet said, verily Allah can make the difficult easy. And not only easy, very easy. Difficulty. If you wish, sahlan sahla. Easy and very easy. SubhanAllah. How is it that the Messenger وسلم, had to command his Sahaba, his relatives even, to go into battle, knowing they're going to die? How do you do that? It's one of the hardships of Nubuwa, one of the tribulations of prophethood. So, Battle of Mu'ta, why did the Prophet assign three generals? If, him, if he dies, him, if he dies, him, and if he dies, then you all pick somebody. He never did this in any other battle. Show me, give me the proof that he did that for all the battles. No, he did that for this battle. He knew, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, this is going to happen. But yet he's on command. He must do it. Allah subhanahu wa taala makes it easy for him by showing him their place in Jannah and showing the reward of their families who suffer after their death. And that's why the Prophet is shown the rewards of so many people in paradise, because he must command them to do something extremely difficult. Next, he says, that, so now you understand the concept of taraddud. The concept of taraddud. All right? It looks like I offended people, Ryan, when I said, Dajari's got this curly hair. <laughs> no offense. I mean, uh, that just happens to be his... Curly hair can be nice, right? But it just happens to be the um, sifa, the description of the Dajjal. And now, why did the Prophet describe him as curly-haired? Not because that's ugliness, but because the real Christ has straight hair. That's why. So that you don't confuse the Antichrist with the real Christ. Why did the Prophet describe him? He's a palish skin. Like there's no life in his skin. Well, there's a good righteous people that have pale skin too. 
not pale as in like white, but it doesn't look alive. Because the Prophet describes Sayyidina Isa as the opposite. There's life in his skin, like reddish hue, right? Brightness in his uh, skin. So the Prophet is making comparisons the up in both ways. That's why. It's not to say one is ugly and one is not. So he's not like Isa. That's why the idea of curly hair versus the straight hair that goes down to the shoulders, which curly hair will never do. So that's why the Prophet described that. Not to say that those are ugly attributes. No, they're attributes. There's no such thing as a ugly attribute in the creation itself. Okay. Anas ibn Madik narrates from the Prophet ﷺ said that Jibreel said that Allah said, Hadith Qudsi, Man ahana li waliyan faqad barazani bil muharaba. Whoever humiliates a wali of mine, he's waging, uh, it's now war. وَمَا تَرَدَّدْتُ عَنْ شَيْءٍ أَنَا فَاعِلُهُ مَا تَرَدَّدْتُ فِي قَبْدِ نَفْسِ مُؤْمِنٍ أَكْرَهُ مَسَاءَةَ وَلَا بُدَّ لَهُ مِنْهُ And there is nothing by which I have تَرَدُّدْ Go back and forth, meaning go back and forth, meaning give him a sign, and then time passes. Then give him another sign, then more time passes. Then give him another sign, then more time passes. In the same way that I have done, or to the degree by which I have تَرَدُّدْ by taking his soul. That means Allah's taraddud is in many things. Number one of all, taking the soul. I hate to harm him, but it is necessary. Allah has created certain things in his creation that are necessary. Right? Why? Because there's a wisdom behind it. Okay? Listen to this. There are from this my believing servants. Okay? Man yuridu baba min al ibadah. He wants to do a certain act of worship. I stop him from it. He wants to do a certain act of worship, but I stop him from it. You ever notice someone is very righteous, but he's really lacking in something, right? He's really he's very righteous, but in one thing he's extremely lacking. So that arrogance does not enter his heart and corrupt him. There are certain acts of worship, if he does them, he could stay humble. He does an amazing act of worship and he stays humble. But another act of worship, if he was to do that act of worship, he would become boastful, prideful and arrogant. So by having a lack, a deficiency in that certain act of worship, he ends up having a chip on his shoulder, like meaning, I feel like I'm lacking. I feel deficient, right? And that deficiency is good for him. That feeling of deficiency is good for him. Whereas if he was absolutely perfect, he would be boastful. Amazing, subhanAllah. But keep in mind, there's no action to be built on this. He said, oh, that's why I don't pray Fajr on time, right? <laughs> Aha, I don't pray Fajr on time because Allah is stopping me because if I did, I would have ujub. No, that's not what we're talking about. So there, keep in mind, there is no action based upon this. This is Allah saying that he does this. This does not say that we now can make excuses for ourselves and justify ourselves. There's no act of worship better than the obligations and he continues to do tanafful hatta uhibba hatta uhibba He keeps doing extra good deeds until I love him. You want to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Spend time with him. How do you spend time with him? Do ibadah. Do dhikr. That is just spending time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean spending time with Him? Does that mean I'm sitting and He's in front of me? The way I spend time with a human being? No, it means that His lights will start to come down on you. And you understand Him. 
and you feel like very close to Allah after doing a lot of ibadah. Same way that you feel very close to a person if you, if you sat had coffee with him every single day, right? If you sat had a coffee with somebody, 15 minutes, that's it. Every single day, never missing a day. Wouldn't you be close to him? Imagine one hour. Imagine two hours, okay? وَمَنْ أَحْبَبْتُهُ كُنْتُ لَهُ سَمْعًا وَبَصَرًا وَيَدًا وَمُؤَيَّدًا If I love somebody, then I am his hearing, seeing, hands, and I'm his help. He calls upon me, I answer him. He asks me, I give him. He is sincere to him, I am sincere to him. What does that mean, Allah is sincere to him? It means, what is sincerity? It means, there's no tricks, there's no lies. If I'm sincere to you, I'm not telling you something, meaning something else. This is why I emphasize to you. Many times I've said, be sincere, then what you see and what you hear and what promises Allah gives you is what you get. No tricks. This is so important. Otherwise people feel that, oh my gosh, there's always a divine trick. You're not worshipping a trickster unless you're the trickster. Then you're only getting back what you gave. If you're a fake and a fraud and a liar. That's why Imam Madik says, the sign of the, the real true mu'min this is somebody, his private worship is better than his public worship. Allah will put a light inside your heart. Now listen to this very closely. From my believing servants, that nothing will help, will, will, will make him a solid believer, except poverty. And if I make him rich, it ruins his deen. Now listen to this. We're all going to love this part. And there is from my believing servants where nothing benefits him except wealth. And if I was to make him poor, it would corrupt him. And there is from my believing servants nothing perfects his iman except sickness. And if I made him sound healthy, it would ruin his deen. And there is from my servants nothing benefits him except being healthy. That means there are some people that are healthy and rich. Healthy and poor. Healthy, uh, okay, what are, what, are, what are the combinations here? These are the combinations. Healthy and rich, healthy and poor. Sick and rich, sick and poor. There's, there's combinations. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what benefits you when. Right? Subhanallah. I plan the lives of my servants based on my knowledge. Because I have knowledge. I'm knowledgeable of their hearts. I know full well what benefits them. Alim and Khabir. Alim of the outward, Khabir of the inward. This is from the narrations of Anas. It is also from Sayyid Aisha. And the fastest I am is in giving victory to my awliya. And I, my anger to them is stronger, greater than the anger of a warring, angry lion. SubhanAllah. And there are from the servants of Allah, if they tell Allah something, Allah will do it. There is some from the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah wants the people to follow them and to pay attention to them and to listen to them and to benefit by them. If they utter a word, Allah will make it true. Why? So that they never utter a lie. If they say something in jest, Allah will make 
it true. Subhanallah. One one man, his mother one day took him to a righteous. They were very poor. He took him to a sheikh. And she said, make dua for my sheikh, uh, for my son. He looked and he said, this son of yours, he's a king. He was in a state like, you know, these after the dhikr sessions and everyone's happy, right? He said, this son of yours, he's a king. So that man, he said, I live life. And the sheikh said, I'm a king. It wasn't something he paid attention to ever. Right? But it's the only time he had an interaction with that sheikh. He said time passed, and he was a teacher in a school. Low-level teacher in a school. And he said the weirdest thing happened in the span of about three years. I, people, Things changed in the school district to the point that he ended up superintendent of the whole town school. And he's like, he said, by Allah, I did not have one qualification. It just... The way things were moved around and people were moved around, I ended up getting bumped up, head of the division, head of the school, and then uh, 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 head of the, the grade level, then head of the school, then then assistant superintendent, then full superintendent of the whole school. And he said, I had a car coming to pick me up. The car would pick me up so I can work in the car. I get to school, I had secretaries, multiple, Right? So he, then he's like sitting one day, I'm sitting at the desk, and I'm like, how am I here, right? Like, how, how am I the superintendent? I'm not brighter than anyone. I have no qualification. I didn't even try to do this. And he's like, this must be the dua of the sheikh. So I am a king. In this world, in my little world, I'm the king, right? So that's the dua al-mustajab of these salihin and awliya. وَعَنْ عَطَاءِ ibni Yasar, عَطَاءِ ibni Yasar from the فُقَهَاءِ uh, السَّبْعَةِ The seven... Fuqaha of Medina. They are the advisors of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz of the second generation. Qala Musa alayhi salam. Ya Musa alayhi salam said, Ya Rabbi, men ahluk alladhinahum ahluk. Who are your ahl? What is the ahl? The closest people to you. Alladhina tudilluhum fi arshik. Those who on the Day of Judgment, they're shaded by the shade of your throne. There are some people, they're resurrected. They're never touched by the calamities of the Day of Judgment. The first stage of the Day of Judgment is calamities. The, the misdeeds of people come back on them. And the sun is beating on them. But some people, as soon as they're resurrected, they're in the shade of the Divine Throne, which means that they're that near to Allah that there's no harm there. Okay, there's no harm there. They're the ones whose hands are innocent, meaning their deeds have never harmed anybody. الطاهرات قلوبهم، their their hearts completely pure. يتحابون بجلالي، they love for my sake. Okay, what does that mean? They love for my sake. I could see a person. I have nothing to do with him. What's my business with him? But hold on, he's Abd of Allah. I'm going to love him because he's the, he's the creation of my Creator, and I love my Creator, so therefore I'm going to be nice to him. الذين إذا ذكرتوا ذكروا if I'm mentioned, they're mentioned. If I'm mentioned, they're mentioned. Can we possibly ever mention hadith without eventually mentioning the name of Bukhari and Muslim? Right? Can we possibly ever mention fiqh without ever one day mentioning a Shafi and Abu Hanifa and Malik and Ahmad? Can we ever mention Zuhud, Zuhud without mentioning Al-Junaid al-Salik? Can we mention awliya without mentioning Abdul Qadr al-Jailani? Okay. 
and so on and so forth. And then in our local towns, it's the same thing. There's no way that we could do anything Islamic, have an Islamic event in certain towns without certain people being invited. They have to be invited. So it's at all different levels. This is one is an ummah wide level. Can we ever talk about the great leaders of Islam without mentioning Nuruddin al Zanki, Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, Muhammad al Fatih okay, of the seventh Ottoman Sultan? Salah al-Din see, like if I don't say Salah al-Din al someone's going to say it, right? Like you cannot mention righteous Islamic leaders, Muslim kings. If you don't mention Salah al-Din al your mention is going to get blown up, right? You're going to, someone's going to call it out for you. وَإِذَا ذُكِرُوا ذُكِرْتُ بِذِكْرِهِمْ Now the opposite. The opposite. If their biography is mentioned, then Allah is mentioned with them, with their biography. Like, you, can you possibly give a biography of a righteous person without talking about his worship of Allah and some of his wise sayings about Marifa? What's one of the foundational actions that we can take to be like them? So Allah mentions some of the simple things that they did to attain that level. Okay? Did Salah al-Din become Salah al-Din because he studied war and statecraft? Did Bukhari attain his level by working on his memory? The real true foundation of what these men, how they became what they became, was because of their sincerity in drawing near to Allah Ta'ala. And Allah mentions the first step, they make wudu when nobody else wants to make wudu. When is that? In the middle of the night. Get up three in the morning, Make wudu and pray. How, see how difficult it is. Do it once today, fine. Do it every single day of your life. See how it truly is, as Allah says, makareh. It's, it's disliked. By, naturally by a human being. It's disliked. But for these awliya, it becomes a taste. That when that cold water splashes on their face, at that hour of the night, while everyone else is sleeping, there's such a nearness between them and Allah. You feel so near to Allah at that hour, at that moment. Allah has created that His nearness to be unveiled to you at that moment. If you were to do anything else, it wouldn't be unveiled to you. Only by the wudu, and then after that by the salah, and the istighfar, and the dua. Yunibuna ila dhikri kama tunibun nusur ila wukuriha. They yearn for a time to remember Allah just as the hawk yearns to go back to its nest. Okay. And there is a wisdom why he mentions the falcon. Sorry, not the hawk, the falcon. I think the nest is the falcon, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it's the hawk. Okay. That it's far, they fly far away. Right? And they want to come back. Unlike other birds that don't fly far away. They're only local. Like the, the eagle... Is a, is a special animal because no uh, uh, animal or bird flies higher than the eagle. The eagle is one of the uh, most amazing animals and it's the king of the skies. The eagle is the only bird that seeks out the storms. Every other bird hides from a storm. The eagle seeks the storm. Why? Because if it could fly above the storm, there's air pressure going upwards. 
And this gives the eagle a chance to do two things. Number one, it can rest its wings. So it opens its wings and the wind blows it upwards. And it can go higher than ever before. The wind will blow it higher than it could have ever flown. So with no effort, because of the storm, with no effort, the eagle gets higher than ever before and gets to see the world from a perspective that it could never see before. That's the example, the metaphor of the tribulation and the Muslim. A tribulation, when you're tested with a disease, with a, with a trauma, with some traumatic thing, you don't do anything. You can't do anything. It's a, it's a tribulation that's coming at me. All you have to do is be patient. That's, so you're not, number one, you're not doing anything. And number two, you're going to be elevated to a perspective on life that you could have never attained by actions. And that's the example of the eagle. That's why the eagle is such a special animal. There's no wonder why all the flags of nations, they usually, what animal do they put? Right? Go to all the ancient flags. What animal is there? It's the eagle. Right? There's a reason. No animal organism goes higher in the sky than the eagle. When the eagle gets old, and when it realizes that its claws are no longer gripping the way it should, its beak is no longer cutting the flesh the way it should, a sad thing happens. It resigns life and it gets ready to die in the mountains. And because of its sadness, it scrapes away at stones and rocks until its entire beak comes off. Our beak of the eagle falls off and the claws come off and the eagle becomes an ugly and bloody mess in the winter as the winter comes to an end a new beak forms or you know part of the beak obviously some of the beak is still there part of the beak forms new claws form and the eagle gets a second wind then the eagle can live an almost like another lifespan but shorter than its previous lifespan sharp all right, uh, sharp beak, sharp claws. You should study the eagle. It's in one of the most amazing creatures. They're energized by my love just as a boy is energized by the love of people. What does that mean? That means that if you take a boy, next time you have a kid, and that kid, let's say, has a soccer game. You go and tell him, what an amazing job you did. Blah, blah, blah. What does an, any boy or any child do? They get so filled with pride. They're so happy. right? They're so, their face is boom, beaming with joy. Okay. He said, the awliya Allah, their sign is that when it's dhikrullah and Allah is mentioned, they're beaming with joy and happiness just like that boy, just like a child. And they are angered by my sins. When they see sins, they are angered by the haram, just like the anger of a tiger if you poked it. Go poke a tiger, see what's going to happen. Fight a tiger, hit a tiger, see how angry it gets. And we have people, unfortunately, they mock this. And they say, oh, uh, this isn't really an issue. This isn't really the issue. Well, I saw a person one time making wudu on like an ankle sock. And he wiped over the ankle sock. Forget wiping on the sock. Fine. Hanbali. Right? But the, the, even the Hanabila say the sock has to be over the ankle. 
So I said, brother, that would do is not valid. He went on such a sarcasm. See, this is the problem with the Ummah. Palestine is getting killed. Iraq is getting warred. And your concern is that the wudu is under the ankle. The sock isn't matching, the, is, isn't over the ankle. That's what, you're con- that's what he said to me. He has no concern of God's law. And the hypocrisy of the person. All right, next time you go to a restaurant and they get your order wrong, I want to sit there. When you ask, hey, I didn't order salmon, I ordered steak. I'm going to say, oh, that's what you're worried about? When people are starving in Ethiopia and Africa and all these places and Bangladesh and the Rohingyas are all starving in Yemen, they don't even have water, and you're making a big deal over salmon, over steak? See, the hypocrisy of these people is because they despise to see people who love God's law. They despise it out of their hypocrisy. So they will find and draw a comparison that will make concern for God's law look stupid. Look extreme. They will create a comparison out of nowhere from thin air. Right? What is it? What the heck Iraq has to do with this? Right? What is Afghanistan and Yemen and Palestine? What are we talking about Palestine for? Right? What does that have to do with your wudu? You never bring up Palestine when you're nitpicking on something. Hey, no, no, this shirt is too big. No, no, I'm going to go return it. Oh, you're going to return shirts when Palestine's being destroyed and those kids have bullets in their shirts? Be mindful of the comparisons that shaitan puts in people's minds or their own filthy minds. Right? Create when they see something of the deen. These comparisons. Where did this comparison come from? It came from your filthy heart. you got to fix it. Purify yourself and have some respect for God's law because you despise God's law. That's why. Because maybe that's an issue between you and Allah. Why would you, if your wife loved something and you really love this woman, you want to marry this woman, you want to stay married to this woman, every little big, small thing becomes a big deal. Right? عن وهب بن منبه قال لما بعث الله موسى وأخاه هارون إلى فرعون قال When Allah sent Musa and Harun to Fir'aun, he said to them, do not look at what I've given them of the monarchy. Don't look at their palaces. I've given them all that to busy them from me. The punishment. They want to be far from Allah, Allah will help them be far from him. Don't look at it. And he said, oh Moses and Aaron, if I wished to give you greater monarchy, more palaces, more servants, better clothes, better food than the Pharaoh. To humble the Pharaoh, I would have done it. Except that, I want to keep this dunya away from my awliya so that it doesn't soil them, so that it doesn't waste their time. And the zina, the adornment of a wali is his zuhd. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَمْ يَتَزَيَّنَ الْعِبَادُ بِزِينَةٍ أَبْلَغْ فِيمَا عِنْدِي مِنَ الزُّهْدِ فِي الدُّنْيَا no servant of Allah is more beautified than leaving off this dunya. Az-zuhdu fi dunya Which means that your heart isn't attached to it and your mind isn't busy with it. It's, it's a zina. Some people are given it and some are not. Some, some righteous Muslims are made rich. Allah made them rich because they, other people need the money. They give sadaqah. Other people need the money. That's why Allah made them rich. Other people, Allah has beautified them. He's taken... Taxes, for most people, zakah is like hours of preparation. Hours, days, weeks, meetings, 
just to pay his taxes. Other people, they fill out their taxes for 10 minutes and they get money back. Takes $45 for an accountant, junior level accountant, to do his taxes. Some people, their life is easy like that. That's a zina. Allah's adorned them with this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I would have done this, O Moses, O, o Harun. All right? Walakin uzwihi ankuma. I push away the dunya from you so that your time can be spent in ibadah, in dhikr. Your not, mind is not on this. And so that you can be adorned with the simplicity. Simplicity of life, simplicity of clothes, simplicity of everything. It's an adornment. So that you can squeeze out as much spirituality as you can. Whereas if you're a businessman, you got to go to this meeting. you got to go to this meeting. Okay. Subhanallah. Even there was one of the great kings of Andalusia. He was a Muslim king that, he was a king, like any other king. But he was a good Muslim. And he understood certain things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Christians were coming. As usual, the Christian Inquisition, there was like centuries. The Christian back and forth, back and forth. Okay. The Christians were coming. And he had great problems. So before he went out to war, they couldn't find him in the palace. And they looked and looked and looked until one of the servants found him in an abandoned area in the palace, wearing dusty clothes, sitting in the dirt, praying and begging. He had taken off whatever turbans that they used to wear. The Arab kings used to wear a nice turban. They never wore the crown. They wore a nice turban. He took it off. They saw his hair was all over the place. And he was praying and praying and there was dust. He was sitting in the dust. Over time, he had become dusty himself, praying and praying and weeping. And the servants saw them. And the servant said, look, 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 look at your king. Okay. When the people of the palace saw this, the righteousness entered their hearts. Because this king, he understands. You don't approach Allah with a crown on your head like you're some king. Even if you cannot bring the humility into your heart, right? Bring it on your body. Then it will enter your heart. Right? Bring, make the humility in your body. Then it will enter your heart as this king did. He humbled himself outwardly. And so his heart became humble. And that's the beauty of humility. Okay? And there are from the mashayikh that you see them always coming out like kings. Formal attire. Big turbans. In their homes they're very different than this. That's only for the people. In their homes, the attire of the common man. Regular nothing attire. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ مَنْ أَهَانَ لِي وَلِيًّا أَوْ أَخَافَهُ فَقَدْ بَارَزَنِي بِالْمُحَارَبَةِ How many times Allah has said, whoever fights one of my awliya, he's, he's fighting, I am waging war against him. أَوْ And Allah, and in this narration from Ibn Abi Asim in his book of Zuhd on Ibn Abbas, he says, When it comes to my awliya, لا أكل نصرتهم إلى غيري. I don't assign somebody to give him victory. I give him victory directly myself. I don't assign somebody to give him victory. وَعَنْهُ قَالَ الْحَوَارِيُّونَ يَا عِيسَى The disciples of Sayyidina Isa said, O oh, Isa, who are the awliya Allah 
for whom we should never fear, nor do they get sad. فقال عيسى عليه السلام الذين نظروا إلى باطن الدنيا حين نظر الناس إلى ظاهرها. The first thing, they looked at the effect of the dunya while everyone else looked on its outside. They looked at the essence of what is dunya, everyone else looked on the outside of the dunya. In other words, they looked at the effect, they saw how filthy it is. How its end result is sadness. How the end result of everything of the dunya. I'm telling you, I'll tell you something as a youth, what I discovered as a youth. Just a little story for myself. As a youth, there's nothing I looked forward to more than the game of hockey. It was my day and night, all day and night, right? My mind, everything. And I was a faqih in the sport. Wallahi, faqih, I can tell you what happened. In playoff games, in Detroit, two time zones over, one time zone over. In the first round, 10 years ago, that's when I was a youth, I could have told you everything, single thing that happened. Hafid. Okay. I knew the trades. I knew who played for who. Who got traded for who. Why they got traded for who. Everything. The one, and there was no joy except either playing, having a game, or watching a game. And I would become so, I, I discovered, I realized there was no sad moment of the day more than the end of the game. Especially if it was a Sunday afternoon game that started at three and ended at six, right? And then you have school the next day. That six o'clock hour, the game's over, the broadcast is done with. Now, there's no YouTube to go watch highlights or watch, busy yourself with something else. No, that's it. It's done with. There's nothing on. There was no more depressing time than that until I made the connection. I'm depressing myself, right? By looking forward to this so much, I end up depressing nobody but myself, right? I realized you're attached to the wrong thing. Be attached to something that has no end. Not being attached to something that has an end. Right? You cannot imagine how depressed I'd get and sad that the game's over, the broadcast is done, and there's school tomorrow. What am I going to do with my life? And you all don't understand this, except those who lived before the cell phone and before YouTube and internet. Today, you never have a moment of grief or sadness or depression because there's always something to entertain you. Ask anyone who's 40-something, before the world of internet, literally, if the broadcast on TV is over, all the entertainment's done with. Next thing he says, The people who looked at the end result of dunya, everyone else looks at the immediate of the dunya. Okay. So they died, in other words, their love of a thing died before they themselves died. In other words, and they left off of the dunya before what was to be taken from them. So dunya, you're all going to lose it eventually. So they, they killed their love of it before they lose it. That's what it means. What they viewed as increase is to love it less. And you love it less by giving it away. Okay? But be careful in terms of action. 
on this so that you don't go listen to this broadcast and say, I'm going to give away my car, I'm going to give away everything else, and, and then you end up pre- doing something you shouldn't have done. Their, their love, their happiness, their feeling stronger is by having less of it. Yeah, because you have less attachment. Even the, the Buddha said, Hartha Gautama got this right. Or at least what they say about him got it right. What's the, the, the greatest pain of human beings is attachment to the world. And then this world is going to be taken away from you. So that you're in a constant state of that eventually I'm going to lose this. Abu Bakr said, oh youth who are attracted to the youthfulness of your beauty, it's going. Don't be so in love with your beauty. Look at what some of these people do to themselves to preserve that. Next, as we're almost done with his chapter, isn't this a wonderful chapter on Ibn al-Jawzi's wilaya? He says, وَذِكْرُهُمْ إِيَاهَا فَوَاتًا They remember it by ignoring it. وَفَرَحُهُمْ بِمَا أَصَابَهُمْ مِنْهَا حَزَنًا And when they get some of it, it's like a hesitation, it's a sadness. Because they know that attachment could happen. If I get attached, then I'm going to lose it anyway. فَمَا عَرَضَهُمْ مِنْ نَائِلِهَا رَفَضُوهُ أَوْ مِنْ رِفْعَتِهَا بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ وَضَعُوهُ If they get it without haq, they t- let it go. خُلِقَتِ الدُّنْيَا عِنْدَهُمْ فَلَيْسَ يُجَدِّدُونَهَا وَخَرِبَتْ بَيْنَهُمْ فَلَيْسَ يَعْمُرُونَهَا وَمَاتَتْ فِي صُدُورِهِمْ فَلَيْسُ يُحِبُّونَهَا it's dead in their hearts. فَلَيْسُ يُحْيُونَهَا يَهْدِمُونَهَا فَيَبْنُونَ بِهَا آخِرَتَهُمْ They only use it to build their afterlife. وَيَبِيعُونَهَا فَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهَا مَا بَقِيَ لَهُمْ And they, they trade, their trade for it is to establish what is permanent for them. رَفَضُوهَا وَكَانُوا بِرَفْدِهَا فَرِحِينَ When they reject it, they're happy. When they sell it, okay, they're truly profitable because they sell it for sake of akhirah. So when they look at it, at the people of the dunya, they look at them as people who have been suffered with a calamity. And you should look at them. The people are so attached to the dunya. This is a calamity. Either you're going to die or you're going to lose the dunya. One of the two is going to happen. And you're going to be so miserable when that happens. Right? So this is a calamity. Right? They remember death all the time until it kills the life, the love of dunya. Right? And they remember death so akhira becomes alive in them. They love Allah, they love His remembrance and they get light by... His remembrance. Lahum. Khabarun Ajib. You will find their lives are amazing. The news about their lives are beyond amazing. They are the establishment of the Book of Allah. They are the example of the Book of Allah. And by them, the religious truths are established. فَلَيْسُوا يَرَوْنَ نَائِلًا مَعَ مَا نَالُوا وَلَا أَمَانًا دُونَ مَا يَرْجُونَ وَلَا خَوْفًا دُونَ مَا يَحْذَرُونَ رَوَاهُ الْإِمَامَ أَحْمَدِ All of this that we've just said 
is the narration of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal okay, in Hilyat al-Awliya. Okay. That was saying of Sayyidina Isa, narrated by Imam Ahmad. وَعَنْ كَعْبْ قَالَ لَمْ يَزَلْ فِي الْأَرْضِ بَعْدَ نُوحٍ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ أَرْبَعَةَ عَشْرَةَ يُدْفَعُ بِهِمُ الْعَذَابِ وَعَنْ إِبْنُ عُيَيْنَ قَالَ عِنْدَ ذِكْرِ الصَّالَحِينَ تَنْزِلُ الرَّحْمَةِ And on the mention of the righteous, mercy descends. مَا رَأَيْتُ لِلْقَلْبِ أَنْفَعُ مِنْ ذِكْرِ الصَّالِحِينَ And I have not found anything better for the heart than the remembrance of the righteous, al-salihin, al-awliya, and that's why we sit here and we do on Thursday, dhikr al-awliya. Okay, dhikr al-awliya wa dhikr al-salihin. Okay, so today we will, inshallah now at this point, turn to YouTube, turn to Insta, and see, and see what everybody has said. Okay. Besides the commentary on curly hair. Inshallah. Let's see what else. Maliki click Aisha Mukhtar. Let's go. What does Islam say of the butterfly effect? What is the butterfly effect? I'm not familiar with what that is. We want to try to. Today is, is, is QA, but we're going to keep it on the topic of the Asadahin and the Awliya. I think butterfly effect is yeah. like one thing like that happens in your life creates a chain reaction of things like mm. all can change the entire future forever Ajib. like if you chose to like wear this hat or that hat like Ajib. your kid is going to be like different well or something i mean that sort of Im- implies knowledge of the unseen right you can only work it backwards though right you could probably connect the dots backwards and say if i had went to london versus if i went to oxford if I had went to, if my dad made Hijra to New York versus making Hijra to Australia, things like that. You can only work that butterfly effect backwards. What's the most practical way to become wali? Dhikrullah, simple. Dhikrullah and avoid the haram. They usually say, if you avoid the haram and you do a lot of dhikr, that's enough for you. Muhammad Azhar, is it true that without the consent of Abdul Qadir al-Janani, nobody can become wali? What about those before Abdul Qadir al-Janani? Allah, I've never heard anything like that. Omar Akhtar, can you have a breakdown of Imam al-Ghazali's approach on how to become much more active believer? Learn about Allah, correlate Allah's names with nature. Inshallah, we can discuss that. The stations of Sharia, Tariqa, Haqiqa. Yeah, Sharia is the law. So the first thing, you want to build up a good city? Fix, make sure no one's invading the city. Make sure no poisons come seeping in. Fix the walls of the city. Fix the infrastructure of the city. That's Sharia. Make sure no poisons coming into your body. Follow the Sharia. Okay? Sharia is also the, the worship of drawing near to Allah. Then Tariqah is to purify your intention. And then Haqiqah is now you're witnessing the results of all that. Abdul Hadi, can awliya see the status of people in Jannah or is that only for prophets? There can be yani, mukashafats um, like that, but it's only something that we consider speculative, not absolute. No one has that absolute knowledge. Please add timestamps. Muzammil says no timestamps in yesterday's episodes. I think there are timestamps. You keep them on your phone, right? Yeah, and then you copy them. Yeah, he, he's going to copy and paste it. He keeps it on his phone. And then he copies and pastes it. Solomon says, what should the pious people do if their close family members are not religious? And maybe they sin in public. It's hard to see your family sinning and don't listen to you. It's a struggle. Right? 
Allah tells us it's going to be difficult. It is hard, it's difficult. Struggle, strive with it. And sometimes, you have to stay away from them. Not to separate you and your family, but sometimes yeah, you do. Not all everyone is a good influence. And you can't always be a good influence. Sometimes you get influenced. They slow you down. They make fun of you. You're going to have to stay away from them. I stay away from them. I give them advice once or twice, that's it. All right. Is it true Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, he had the biggest attendance for his funeral than anyone else? Many people say that his funeral was the, one of the biggest attended in the ummah. How to reconcile the fact that awliya have most trials after the prophets and their dua is always accepted. They know what to pray for. That's why. And they know when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings a test for them, it's a way to increase their rank. Does salawat on the prophet count as dhikr? Yes. Is there a special art to dhikr? In a sense, yes, you should have. There is there is formalized dhikr where you make wudu. You sit the qibla and you do dhikr. And there is regular dhikr that you do in your car and in the bus. The more you do dhikr and learn about it, you're going to get better at it. How did the imam see the messenger so much in their dreams? Because they made so much salah on him and he was on their mind all the time. What's the best dhikr to gain wilaya? Whatever that is most sincere for you at the time. Whatever touches your heart the most at the time. Wali with karama, wali without karama. No difference. Karama, wilaya is by istiqama. Istiqama. Years and decades on Islam. That's, that's what you, we look for. What's the etiquette of making dua after salah? You make istighfar, you recite ayatul kursi, and then you make dua. Okay? That's how you do it. Is there an English translation available for Sifat al-Safwa? Yes, but it's not a full translation. It's just, it's called like the stories of the elect or something like that. And it's just some stories. Prince Matthew says, on the topic of dunya, how does one remove the love of something in the dunya? By giving some of it away. If you love money so much, give a little money away every once in a while. It'll leave your heart. What's the benefit of reciting Qasidat al-Burda? Dhikrul Rasul. Praise of the Prophet Muzammil Patan, one can push away those scary upcoming things by making dua. Yes, but if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly wants something, He will keep sending you the signs until you become okay with it and comfortable with it. And you know it's going to happen and there's no point in praying for it to go away. Yes, you can do that. And if Allah wants it, He will keep He will keep sending you the signs so you know that this is something Allah wants. Murad says, related, how do formal tariqah tasawuf differ in our age and time? Um... If you have a sheikh, let it be something gen- organic, right? That's this sheikh has inspired me, and he gives out adhkar, and I take the adhkar and I benefit. That's it. I would not advise anyone to get so close to somebody that if something bad happens, he has a crisis. Don't do. Don't go that route in life. Okay. Kanafa says, "How can I do dhikr with presence rather than absent-minded? It's by doing it a lot." And remembering who you remember, who you are making dhikr of, 
and knowing you are talking to a king. One person put a tweet out the other day. You don't stand in front of a king and ask for a penny. You don't stand in front of a king and ask for a sandwich. When you ask for stand in front of a king, you ask something big. You have to have the iman that Allah will give you, that Allah gives. And how does the Prophet strengthen that iman? By saying in his one of hadith, he said, "Look at how much Allah Subhanahu Have you seen how much Allah has given since He's created the heavens and the earth? How many birds he's fed? How many kings he's, he's, he's given money to? He's given monarchy to? How many babies he's given women to? How many people have received? So what are you asking relative to all that? So by knowing who I'm dealing with and what I have to benefit, what do I have to benefit? Because we're human beings at the end of the day. We want things. When he's talked to Allah, speak, making remembrance of Allah and dua and ibadah, remembering he has so much to give. I have so much to gain. Now all of a sudden, Salah is a different thing. How do you suppress or eliminate your nafs? Little bits, tiny little bits of denial. Little bits of a denial. And starting with food. Little bit denial of food. Little bit denial of uh, uh, matters of, the, uh, of whatever is you're attached to. Little bits of denial. How can we stop evil eye? By... Doing the awrad, uh, and and Ryan, if you could put it in there, uh, can you comment? By the way, uh, it's okay. I'll comment. Um, Safinasai.org backslash weird. You can comment. Okay, good. All right, good. Yeah, you can put it on the screen even. Safinasai.org backslash weird is something that you should recite the awrad of the morning and of the evening, so that you can get these awrad. Uh, get protection from shayateen al-insi wal-jinn and hasad of people how can dhikr be sweet to our heart by doing it regularly do it regularly and avoid sins if you look at the haram and many of the shabab they're addicted to pornography it's very sad reality it's true how are you going to taste the sweetness of dhikr when the heart is filled with najasa struggle against this thing and fill the heart with dhikr until it pushes out that other stuff. And if you have you, you you don't have like I need to justify this dhikr, remember what is Allah gonna give you? I'm gonna benefit from this dhikr in my dunya before my akhirah. Twenty one Nur says, I dreamt a man came, he said he's the prophet, and he gave me advice. He didn't mention his name. Do I know it's the prophet? If the advice is in line with like the deen then do it. If it's like an advice that would be something of acceptable advice. But if he said something like, oh, I need you to divorce your husband, then no. I need you to kill your dog. No. Or, or, or your cat. No, you shouldn't have a dog anyway. Okay. I need you to quit your job. No. But if he's somebody who, um, advice that's acceptable anyway, then yeah. How can you go give away something like lust? How do you give away something like lust? Is handled by displacement of something sweeter than lust. Right? Something sweet. Lust is one of those things that never going to go away until you get, you get married. You fulfill it. Then lust will never go away. It'll 
deflate until it comes back. Certain things, it's a good point that he's making. Certain things you can remove the love of in your heart. Lust is not a love. Lust is a natural feeling. It's there for a reason. If we didn't have lust, there would be no humanity left. There would be no reason for men to get married. You think men is going to marry for companionship only? No. Maybe at the end of his life, yeah. Right? Like an old man will marry an old woman just because of the companionship. But youthful men, even probably the woman, lust is a big part of why you get married, right? And then you have kids. And then you, you become, you do a lot of good deeds through your spouse. Okay? Woman is so important for the spiritual growth of a person. That relationship. You cannot imagine how important it is. Number one, as a good deed, you're helping another Muslim. Just because they're your family now does not mean that it doesn't count. No, it counts more. Number two, there's so much of the blessing of Allah is going to come through the wife or through the husband. So you become full of gratitude to Allah, full of happiness. Like, I don't ever understood how monasticism, like, is such a naive thing. So, lust is something, you don't get rid of it, but you handle it properly through marriage. It's a good question by Prince Matthew. How would you explain the hadith, whoever sees me in a dream will see me in a wakeful state? Because sometimes a person can get such strong, powerful spirituality that they see dreams while they're awake. Abdullah Adam says, are we allowed to recite Qur'an aloud in a group? Yeah, the Imam al-Nawi holds this to be correct, uh, to be allowed. Anything that you can do alone, you can do it in a group, and in unison, and at the same time. Imam al-Nawi holds that in his book. Madik differed, he said no. So Madik has an opinion, the Shafi'iyah have another opinion. And they differed upon it. Mia Muhammad says, what does it mean uh, if I'm near to Allah when I'm not with someone near to me? like family, etc., should I leave them completely for Allah's love? Uh, it means maybe they're a negative influence on you, right? So that you should uh, maybe stay away from them. Yeah, sometimes you have to stay away from people. Maybe not cut them off so that you don't hurt their feelings, but if they're a negative vibe, don't spend so much time with them. What is the best pace to recite dhikr? A pace that you can feel the impact on your heart. And you can think about what's being said and is respectable. And that the righteous Muslims would consider that to be a decent pace. Please answer the question Kaifa tudriku annaka hasanul dhanni aw muhsinul dhanni bi rabbik wa kaifa husnul dhan billah. You increase husnul dhan billah by remembering his promises. And by remembering, we don't do bad omens in Islam. We don't have bad omens, we don't believe in bad omens. This idea that, oh, one little hardship happens, that means Allah doesn't want it. Would you get this? No. Hardship is not a sign that not to do something. No. Sharia is the sign not to do something. The advice of people, if everyone agrees, you shouldn't do this. That's a sign. Husnidhan is by think, thinking about the, the, the bisharat, the good news that Allah has given, how much He wants to answer, how much He wants to give. And you know that you have husnidhan by always whenever something is in your mind, you go to the positive. So let's say I want to do something and I plan for it for weeks and, and months and then it completely blew up in my face. What, if you have the husnadhan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is strengthening me 
so that next time it's better. That's one path. He's strengthening me so that next time I do an even better job. And all this hardship is removing some of my sins and increasing my good deeds. That's one opinion. Another opinion is Allah doesn't love me. He didn't support me. My du'a was rejected and he doesn't want me to do it. That's the other path. You go down that path, you've gone down the dark path. Wrong. Husn al-dhan billah is always optimism. Is always benefit. Right? Is always the good interpretation of things. And husn al-dhan billah is always true. Whereas husn al-dhan with people, having a good opinion of people, could be false. I could, have, I could interpret your actions as one of two ways. I might be right or wrong. But when we interpret Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's action towards us, there's a good interpretation, there's a bad interpretation. The good interpretation is always what's true. The bad interpretation is not true. Can the Prophet speak other than Arabic in a dream? Yes. What's the... Sayku, jazakallah khairan for your dua. May Allah Ta'ala bless you. Why is the Prophet known in... Oh, the Prophet is known in Jannah as Ahmed. Do we have alternate names in paradise? Maybe. Allahu alam. Maybe we do. What is the difference between Ahmed and Muhammad? Muhammad is quantitatively the most praised. Ahmed is qualitatively the most praised. In this life, people may say the quality of the praise is subjective. Right? But the quantity is objective. We know... It's a, it's a fact, Nobody, no human being has more books written about him, more speeches given about him, more songs sung about him, more praise than the Prophet So it's, a, it's an objective fact in this dunya. And in the Akhirah, his name is by the qualitative okay, praise. Protein Sheikh says, a word of encouragement. Keep going. This session is like virtual halakha. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. May Allah Ta'ala continue and help all the brothers that supported him. Um, about Habib Omar, you can go to muwasala.com. Hamza is asking about Habib Omar. You can go to muwasala. What is it? .org or .com? Is it .org, Ryan? Muwasala.org, and you can get in the information about him. He's an excellent uh, spiritual guide. Muzammil Patan. Allah inspired the mother of Musa to put him in a river. How does actually that inspiration feel like if Allah is inspiring us for something? Sometimes it's a word that you suddenly utter that you don't know where it came from. And it's a brief word of truth. This is somehow, sometimes how this happens. It's an ilham like this. What is the best dua to make for our loved ones and our teachers? It is that may Allah Ta'ala forgive what is past and forgive what is future. Or you can say, may Allah make them happy in this. I love the dua, may Allah make them happy in this life and the next. Is, is, are we chasing anything more? And if we're going to be happy in the next, doesn't that preclude forgiveness of sins? Doesn't that include guidance, right? That you'll be guided. May Allah make us all happy in this life and the next. Prince Matthew, Husn al is it through reason or feeling? It is through feeling after reason, by the way of reason. 
by the way of looking at the evidences. What did Allah say about himself? What did Allah say about following what we would call like um, pessimistic interpretations? He said, reject them about me. About what's the opposite of good omens, bad omens. So by your brain, you know what Allah said about these things. Therefore, I'm not following it. And when you do that, the truth of optimism and the happiness enters your heart. And so you have to repeat to yourself. Allah Ta'ala said, we don't follow bad omens. Okay? You go, you're driving somewhere and a bird poops on your car. We don't follow bad omens. Laugh it off. It means nothing. Okay? It means absolutely nothing. What means something is the sacred law and the advice of your counsel. Okay? The sacred law. Is there anything in Sunnah or Sharia that says if a bird poops on your windshield, turn around and go home? Reject it. We reject bad omens and we have good interpretation of Allah. And do or don't do is by the law. Follow the sacred law. Okay. Can a Sunni Muslim make dua to guide a Shia? Of course, we should make dua for all of these groups and for ourselves to stay on Ahlul Haq. We're human beings just like them. We could be astray. We ask, and we're not uh, uh, upon Ahlul Sunnah because we're smart or clever or cute. It's because Allah guided us. May Allah guide them too. Omar Mufti, his wife is ill and they're going through scans and consultations. Nas'alallah al-Azim, Rabbil Arsh al-Azim, and Yashfiyat. May I ask Allah Ta'ala the, uh, to, to give her a speedy shifa. Okay. How do you get a dua answered quickly during a time of crisis? It's going to be the desperation in your heart. It's not whatever words come out comes out, but it's the desperation of your heart. Okay. How do we differentiate between Allah showing us signs Versus our mind tricking us. Yeah, be very cautious of that. Be very cautious of that. Okay? But I say again, lean on the sacred law. That's objective. The sacred law allows this. None of my advisors seem to be against it. I'm going for it. That's it. Okay? If you get a good sign, nice, wonderful. Don't bother yourselves with signs. Go with the objective measure. It's a sacred law. Is it acceptable? Is it possible? Are the means there? Yes, I'm going to do it. What time is it, Ryan? 3.11. All right, we'll stop here after a couple questions. That's it. I remind myself with something good, but I feel it's impossible. Yes, it is impossible for you, but it's possible for Allah. So we can we act by Allah Ta'ala, not by our power. We act by Allah's power. So we lean on Allah's power, not your power. Anytime that you think it's impossible, it's because your, your reference point is your power. Or like historically, statistically. Forget that. That's human work and that's human effort. And human history. You go. We operate by Allah's power. And our du'a is based upon Allah's ability and power, not our ability and power. Amir Glover says, what's the proper adab of looking for another sheikh if you already technically belong to another tariqah? Well, Adam, they said that if you uh, you had some kind of a relationship with a sheikh that was formal and you fi- wish to break it, then you, inf- you if you know him, then to inform him, fast three days for breaking your oath, and then find another sheikh. I don't have much experience, so ask other people too. Abdul Hadi, I've heard before that there is so much fitna nowadays that simply lowering your gaze is enough to become a wali. People exaggerated that, but it could be true, right? Because that's how much fitna there is. 
I remember, yeah. this is like not really that related, but I was watching a video from Ahmed Mashur al-Haddad. Yeah. Um, he said like the hadith about um, the Prophet said you would be like damned if you were to leave off one-tenth of the things you yeah. know. But in the, in the future, he's talking to a sahaba and then in the future, this person who practices one-tenth of the things that they know yeah. uh, will be saved. And uh, Sayyidina Ahmed Mashur al-Haddad was saying that this is a uh, Subhanallah, that's true. That's true. Is that in the akhir zaman, end of time, just doing one tenth of the extra good deeds is sufficient. Whereas in the Prophet's time, leaving one tenth would be insufficient. Nazar Ahmed, uh, can we ship clothes to Canada? Um, we have to ask our, our store manager if we ship to Canada. We may ship to Canada alone. I don't know. I have to ask him. We ask Habib. It'll be pretty expensive. All right, final question. If we make a dua and then there's a sudden occurrence of natural phenomena like rain or appearance of a great animal like an eagle that are uncommon, is that a sign? Allah Adam, if it's a sign, either way you're going to have certainty of the answer, right? So the sign is just icing on top. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It doesn't make a difference because the Prophet told me, told us as Muslims, you're supposed to say to yourself, the Prophet told me, because anything the Prophet addresses to the Ummah is addressed to you. Pray to Allah with certainty of the answer. Signs or no signs? I'm certain of this answer. What is the correct order for Dhuhr Nawafil? Four before and four after. And if you can't, then two before and two after. How to become the best version of ourselves? Follow the Sharia and make a lot of dhikr. Okay. Yep. It's funny, like everyone's got like these like blog posts. Like what? Become the best version of yourself. Like, yeah. Talk yourself up in the morning. Drink. Uh, oh yeah. Have a have a muffin with chocolate chips. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I personally think you can become the best version of yourself by following the the, especially of course Sharia and Deen generally, but husna dhanna billah will give you a lot of uh, success in your work. Most people, they, they doubt themselves or they allow some doubts to creep in so they don't succeed. You want to have husn dhan billah is iman. Iman is ruined by sins. So you have to avoid sins. And iman is strengthened by ibadah. So avoid sins, do a lot of ibadah, and you're, you can have husn dhan billah. Why do you think the four imams got preserved compared to other Muslim rulings? Allahu alam because maybe that those imams themselves had a piety with Allah that was special. The can you talk on the end time soon? Yes, inshallah ta'ala we will. Jazakumullah khairan everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr innal insana lafi khusr illa alladhina amanu wa amilus salihat wa tawasaw bil haqq wa tawasaw bis sabr. Allahumma aghfir lana dhunubana. اللهم ارحم أمة محمد واغفر لأمة محمد واصلح شؤون أمة محمد يا رب ارحم واصلح واغفر واستر واستر عيوب المسلمين وإيانا واستر عيوبنا والمسلمين أو الله cover our deeds and all the Muslims يا رب ارحم واصلح واغفر واستر واحفظ أو we ask Allah Ta'ala to preserve 
the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the blessings that he's given us, we ask you Allah to preserve it for us. And the health that you've given us, preserve it for us. The wealth that you've given us, bless it for us and preserve it. We ask Allah Ta'ala, if our rizq is in the heavens, then bring it down. If it's in the earth, then bring it out. If it's far, then bring it near. If it's difficult, then make it easy. If it's small, then increase it. If it's non-existent, then make it increase, then make it exist. If it's sins, forgive it. If it's mistakes, overlook it and correct us. If it's haram, make it halal. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless all of our rizq and let us do with this rizq what you wish for us to increase our rizq and make it hasanat for us in akhirah. We ask Allah ta'ala to put nur in the hearts of everyone who's listening to the stream and to our hearts and, and all the hearts of the mu'mineen. We ask Allah ta'ala to strengthen us in ibadah and give us a motivation for dhikr and give us husn al-dhannibik. Ya mujibu, ya mujibu, ya mujib. Listen to our dua and answer them. Strengthen us in husn al-dhann. Improve us in ibadah and dhikr. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husn ibadatik. Let us be improved in being grateful. Allahumma aktubna min ash-shakirin. Oh Allah, write us from amongst the grateful. Make us grateful. We ask Allah for tawadu'ah. Man tawadu'ah lillah rafa'ahu Allah. Whoever humbles himself for Allah, Allah raises them. We ask Allah Ta'ala for humility. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to die as people of masajid. Let us be an object in the mosque and let us be attached to the masajid. Let us be people who live and die upon masajid, live and die upon Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Allahumma arina al haqqa haqqan wa razuqna tiba'u arina al batil batil wa razuqna chitinaba. We ask Allah Ta'ala to show us the truth as truth and show us misguide and, and allow us to follow it and show us misguidance and falsehood as falsehood and let us avoid it. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make our insights clear so that we could see what you want us to see and avoid what you want us to avoid. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us strength and persistence and azima, strength of personality, strength of iman and strength of trust. We ask Allah Ta'ala to strengthen our iman through ibadah and we ask Allah Ta'ala to keep us away from ahl su those who will lead us astray in shahawat and shubuhat, in false ideas or in desires. We ask Allah Ta'ala for our children that he make them love iman and make it sweet in our hearts and we ask Allah for our children that he keeps from away from them as su friends who lead them astray and for our parents that he has mercy upon them and that he guides them to Islam if they're outside of Islam and if they're inside of Islam then to let us let them die upon Tawheed and Tawbah and let them die with the last of their days to be the best of their days and let them die without sins purified of all their sins as the Prophet ﷺ said a man will be tried and tested in the end of his life until he dies without any sins and let their descent into the Barzakh become an ascent to the paradise of the Barzakh of the unseen realm and let the best of their days be the day that they meet you and likewise for us and lastly we ask that Allah make none more beloved to us than his most beloved Sayyidul Kaunain Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh